It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Tammy Bruce. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. I'm Eben Brown. Is violent crime in cities even worse? A number of high-profile crimes suggest so. And who is to blame besides the culprits? Wake up and pay attention that the fun stuff is a disaster. I don't know by what metric they think that these criminal justice reforms are working. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Texas Congressman Henry Quaylar, once a proponent of defund police policies, survived a carjacking at his D.C. apartment building. He was uninjured, but he was held up by three men with guns. The incident follows a number of high-profile homicides, including that of a female tech CEO in Baltimore, a former city spokesman in Philadelphia, and an anti-police community activist in Brooklyn, New York. And many of these horrific things are all on video. As the old saying goes, the revolution will be televised. Well, today, the devolution is being televised. Paul Morrow is an attorney and a former inspector for the New York City Police Department. He is also the operator of opsdesk.org. Because everybody has a smartphone, there are cameras every place. And so what's happening is that I think that the viewing public is getting a window into what a cop's life is actually like. In the past, it would be only cops who would show up and see this kind of thing. But now, thanks to all of this video, people are seeing what it looks like. So I think it's probably both. I think that there is a culmination of interest in this. And, you know, we can ignore the political aspect of it as well. We're coming into a campaign season. This is obviously going to be a very big talking point for the conservatives. I think actually they haven't addressed it enough in my estimation. And so I think all of those factors are sort of coalescing into a place where people are really becoming aware of the fact that we're losing our cities. These are our centers of commerce, culture, of immigrant aspiration. And we're watching them deteriorate in front of our eyes. 80% of this nation lives in an urban area, statistically. If you add the overlay of the suburbs, that probably puts us at about 90% or more of this nation's citizens whose fortunes are tied to the health of our cities. And so while the impulse is just to say, hey, look, I don't live in a city, if that's the case, and to say, you know, they get what they deserve, we're all going to get what we deserve here if we don't start to pay attention to the fact that the progressive policies that were concretized in law after the 2020 quote-unquote summer of love and the George Floyd killing, if we don't recognize what this is doing to our urban areas, we're all going to reap what we sow. Let's talk about a couple of incidences that have happened uh, here in the past couple of weeks. There was a tech CEO in Baltimore. She was killed, I believe, near her home. 
very violently by someone who was known, not necessarily known to police, but they had this person had committed a similar crime, I think, within the past week, and they were looking for him, but they never said anything anywhere. Uh, there is the incident now with uh, Congressman Henry Cuellar from Texas, who was at his, uh, out at his, his apartment in, in Washington, D.C., where he was essentially carjacked or you know, he was accosted right outside of his vehicle and they took his his vehicle. Uh, and this is someone who uh, he professes to be a supporter of of policing, but was not uh, necessarily someone who told uh, the rest of his party he is a Democrat uh, to stand down from the defund the police messaging either. And there's, I think, a lot of finger pointing going on. But when is someone who has been in law enforcement who now comments on policy about this this has to be kind of frustrating i mean you if there's a politician who advocates the defunding of police and then sadly is is a a victim of violent crime there's i think a an a uh an inkling to say well you see what you get but at the same time no we we don't want this to happen to people no we don't and you know while there may be a little bit of schadenfreude where you say okay is what you voted for, um, that is a cheap and ephemeral impulse that we should all resist because these, at the end of the day, are fellow Americans, however wrongheaded we feel that they are. And as you say, as somebody who's in law, law enforcement and uh, you know, now works as an attorney, um, I watched these, in, these um, uh, laws be institutionalized, and that's what's also different this time around. It's not just policy. These things have been passed through state legislatures. And we have a federal government currently, current administration, who's indifferent to all of it. And I, I choose that word very cognizantly. They put through last year the Safer America uh, plan that was put through with great fanfare. It was supposed to fix things. How is that working out? I think we'd all agree that it really hasn't made much, uh, you know, much effect. So when I see things like this in my, from my perch, you know, you end up sort of feeling like you're you're shouting in a closet because I've been trying to ring the bell along with my colleagues at uh, our website, opsdesk.org, if I could plug. Sure. Um, we, we write about this a lot. And, you know, we're watching it, everything that we've been saying for about a year now, more. We're watching it all transpire. And while it's validating, like I said, that's a cheap impulse to say, OK, I was right. And look, you deserve what you get. You don't want to be that person. You want to say. Folks, we were right. We've been getting it right. We're being proven right every day. Wake up and pay attention. The defund stuff is a disaster. I don't know by what metric they think that these criminal justice reforms are working. And as a result, I'm waiting for the Congressman Coelars, but also the federal administration, the Republican candidates, you know, whether it's Donald Trump, who hasn't really commented on this much, or whether it ends up being somebody else. I'm waiting for people to say this has got to be one of the main priorities because very clear, I don't see how anybody, anybody remotely objective who's watching all this could possibly think that this reconfiguration of our entire criminal justice system is working. And what's so frustrating is that the reason for it, which is generally given as institutional racism, ignores the fact that as the off-sighted statistic goes, the vast majority of the victims are people of color, people in, in, in impoverished neighborhoods, and every cop has the story of they go on a noise complaint call, and as they're leaving, the neighbor's door opens up in, in, in the apartment house, and the, the elderly neighbor next door, next door says, I'm the one who called, don't tell anybody, but hey, they're dealing drugs in that 
that apartment there, or they're dealing guns out of that apartment. Everybody's terrified of them. They want the police. They want the safety like everybody else. But it's just institutionally these days, it's just not the flavor of the day. And we better wake up because obviously we're losing our cities and we're just not the nation that we were even 12 years ago on this front. We're speaking with former New York City police inspector and attorney Paul Morrow on the rising and continuing violent crime wave in U.S. cities. On the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition, we'll have more straight ahead. You talked about people watching these things happen, and I think that we need to focus on that. A lot more people, and you meant, you talked about this uh, just a few moments ago, that, that police historically are the ones who have seen the gruesomeness of these crimes. I would, I would add in that some of us old street reporters could, could see them too at times. Um, yeah, you know, reporters, we, yeah, we, cabbies, cabbies yeah. uh, the EMS workers. Yeah, there's a class of folks out there working at 4 in the morning who do see it. You're yeah, right. I mean, I came across someone who had just recently been sadly gunned down in a in a parking deck once uh and, and it got there just at the same time as the police were getting there and it was it, it's gruesome it really is most people don't see it but now you know people are, are seeing them because everyone's got a, a a camera phone but there are so many doorbell cameras and and personal security cameras that are affixed practically everywhere and this video can be disseminated instantly worldwide now. Uh, there was an incident in Brooklyn uh, just, I believe, a few days ago with a, a man who was a, a, a known BLM defund the police activist uh, who is out with someone who is accosted while sitting on a bench, uh, and he's stabbed to death by this person. After trying to, at first, maybe it, it appears as if he's trying to um, dissuade the person or de-escalate, but then he gets into a fight and then the, the criminal kills him. And he's lying yeah. on the on the pavement. Uh, do, is, do we need these visuals to, to change people's minds to or at least get the perspective out there that that some of this just isn't working? You know, I think I, I hate to say it, but I think we do Not that I'm advocating or, or, or uh, accepting the idea that these things have to happen. Of course, I don't. While I obviously disagree with um, that guy Carson that you're talking about in Brooklyn who was stabbed to death at four in the morning in front of his girlfriend. Well, of course, that's a tragedy. And of course, nobody wants it. And, I'm, um, you know, you want the, uh, the perpetrator apprehended as soon as possible because he's obviously very dangerous. You know, I, 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 of course, you want the lessons of that to be imparted to people who I think have been a little cocooned off from it. And I think of the anti-police defund activist in Minneapolis um, who has a, uh, you know, a long name that I can't remember right now, but, you know, she was bloodied because of a carjacking in her driveway in Minneapolis. She comes out on Facebook the next day in what I can only call a rant, saying we have to get these predators off the street. We have to take back our, our city from these criminals. It's not working, et cetera. And what it, you know, the day before she was a defund uh, activist, she gets carjacked in her driveway and hit on the head, which is tragedy. Of course, you know, of course, you don't want that. But then the next day, she sounds like a, you know an NRA member. So, you know, it, it it sometimes does take this kind of a visual. We used to call it on the police department frontier crimes. We used to call it yeah. as neighborhoods that were typically sort of you know let's call it edgy, little dangerous, lower income housing projects, et cetera, as those neighborhoods started to gentrify, as the police started to, let's 
just call it what it was, take back some of these neighborhoods and people were moving into these neighborhoods, especially in New York City from other areas where they could all of a sudden find cheap rents and still live safely. We considered them, like I said, frontiers almost as these neighborhoods were gentrifying. And you would get crimes where maybe people were a little naive about what the situation it was that they put themselves in. And they were unfortunately learning the hard way. Um, Now we're seeing, I think, a rash of the same thing as some of these areas go back. These frontier crimes occurred as these neighborhoods gentrified. Now, as we're losing these neighborhoods again, you're seeing a similar phenomenon in reverse. And that's how I would characterize this thing in Brooklyn a little bit. Four in the morning, he's out there in, in, in formal dress with his girlfriend. She's, she's in a gown. And, um, you know, un- unfortunately, it seems to have been too much for an emotionally disturbed person who, for whatever reason, got set off. And this guy was a defund analyst, uh, activist, rather. And, you know, he, 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 I think, probably thought that he would always be able to talk himself out of such a situation because he had done it in the past and apparently publicized that. And tragically, it didn't work this time. And I'm not blaming the victim, all right? I'm not going down right. that route. It's a tragedy. Of course it shouldn't have happened. You just hope that we learn from it so that it doesn't happen again. Let, let's play a little bit of make-believe here. Let's say there's different people get elected. They have different ideas. They come to you uh, as to what should we do. How do we win these streets back? Uh, perhaps another way of, of thinking about this was when Rudy Giuliani was first elected mayor in New York City, uh, he began a policy of reversing uh, a pretty horrific crime wave at the time, and that was that uh, tackling small little petty crimes would lead to a reduction in larger crimes, that you went after the panhandlers and the, the broken windows and the, and the loud music and things like that because it would, it would change the tone. Um, would that even work now, or is it, is it so far gone that there needs to be something else? I mean, what, what are the ideas being floated? You know, the problem this time around is, as I said earlier, these policies have been institutionalized because they learned, that is, the progressives learned from last time, that if they don't get these things uh, sort of hardened into law, they can be undone. Now, last time around, we had the laws. You just needed the will. This time, even if you come in with all the will in the world, and I believe that Adams, Mayor Adams here in New York City, did have at least some impulse to try to turn things around and become the law and order mayor, because I think... As mayor of New York City, there's an old saying, every mayor of New York City looks in the mirror and sees a president, right? So I think he probably has larger political ambitions. And unfortunately for him, I don't think any of that's attached to him because the city has only continued to deteriorate. And this time around, what he's up against is Albany. He's up against the laws. Traditionally, right. New York City has been the dog that, the, the tail that wags the dog of New York State. By Albany putting through all of these laws, and this began under Cuomo and the, the prior legislature in New York and the current one, um, he's up against things that are concretized in law. They're not very easily undone. They're indifferent to what happens in New York. And he hasn't been able to move that needle whatsoever. So to your question, it's going to be, I think, harder than in the past, because not only are you going to have to get the streets under control, but what you're going to have to do is get through Albany. All kind, you're going to have to undo all kinds of legislative quote-unquote fixes that the progressives got through that not only have led to higher crime, but have also led to the fact that every block has a, in New York city these days seems to have a mentally ill person. And it just creates an atmosphere of menace and disorder. And New York is not alone. 
Yeah. In Chicago, they're experiencing the same thing because they put through the quote unquote safety act on at the state level in Illinois. California has statewide bail reform. These cities are suffering from the states. The states are indifferent to the conditions in the cities and they are just not learning. I mean, uh, the, the uh, safety act in in Illinois was recently put through. You would think at this point they'd say, you know what, hold the phone, guys. It's not working any place. We better not do this. No, they just put it through. The worst is yet to come in Chicago. And it's just astounding to me. And I don't know at what point people are going to say, you know, we got to wake up. But really, at the end of the day, Evan, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It comes down to the electorate, man. And as you've mentioned, this scenario is playing out in a number of big cities, which are all surrounded by suburbs, whether it's New York or it's Philadelphia or it's Boston or it's Baltimore or Chicago or St. Louis or Los Angeles and San Francisco or Seattle or Portland. I mean, we can just go through and name all these cities where we can just go on. We just can go on. And you know what I use as as I've been saying is the cancer marker for urban decline is Target. Yeah. When you see them closing stores, you can say, "Okay, I'm not moving there. Paul Morrow, you're an attorney. You are a former inspector with the New York Police Department, and you are also the operator of OpsDesk.org. Thank you so much for being with us on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. You got it, Paul. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.